Hi, welcome to another episode of Coffee with Mirko. I'm very pleased to have Ann Cooper as a guest today. We're starting today off uh, just here, um, making myself a quick cup of coffee. I hope you have yours. Grab yourself a cup of coffee, however you make it, and uh, we'll be able to have an amazing chat with Anne in a matter of minutes. I'm making myself a, a Colombian coffee uh, from Market Lane, and uh, then we'll bring her all in. So if you guys have been enjoying these episodes, um, you know, it will really be appreciative if you share it with a friend, whether it's the podcast, whether it's the YouTube channel or anything else, so more people can enjoy this. Uh, today's at 9 a.m., which is a bit strange time because a lot of you guys are working, but you'll be able to re-listen to it uh, in our podcast in a couple of days. So. And just sent through her request. I'll be here in a second and just uh, gotta get that caffeine going. So in today's episodes, you guys are extremely lucky because uh, um, Anne is just an outstanding roastress in the art of roasting and she has 20 plus years experience across multiple facets of the industry. So she's not just an amazing roasting person, she's always been a barista, she competed um, she's managed and owned cafes, so she just covered the whole spectrum, so if you have any any type of questions for Anne, just feel free to drop it down. So as soon as this bad boy is finished, uh, we'll be able to bring her on. Uh, in the meantime, Etoyo, hello, Los Cafés Lariero, Naked Coffee, good to see you. Say hi to Charlie, uh, Ferg, and everyone else tuning in at this uh, time. One Voice My Choice, Vag, good to see you, Barista Rajawi, um, you're in for a big treat. So. Without further ado, I'm just going to plunge a little bit earlier than I would like, but I'm really looking forward to talk to Anne. Alright, this is the cup of the day. So grab yourself a cup of coffee and uh, you'll be able to enjoy uh, the show real soon. And we go Thingies Cosas, Laco, Copi. Vag, Naked Coffee, good to see you all. And uh, it's nearly over this press, and then we'll be able to get it all going. So, yeah, um, hopefully, you have an awesome day, awesome evening for you, Vag, and uh, you're safe and sound with all that's happening around the world. And um, we are very close. Apologies for the wait, Anne. Uh, just. Uh, I function better, and this is my first cup, but um, now we are, now we're in business, let's sit down and uh, we'll be able to bring it on. All right, here we go.
Good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me okay? Yes, yes, I can hear you okay. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, great cuz I'm just in the roastery so there's a, if there's a bit of background noise just let me know and I'll um I'll move. <laughs> Now the the sound is okay. I think the connection maybe cuz you're deep down but we'll, we'll we'll play. We'll play. So far so good. Okay, great. <laughs> Bit chilly in Melbourne this morning. <laughs> yes, it is, and that's why I needed to make coffee. Thanks for waiting. Um, uh, oh, first pleasure. and foremost, uh, thank you very much for finding your time. You're super busy, hustle lady. Um, just you know, to find the time to come here and uh, share your stories and knowledge. Um, first and foremost, Thanks how for are you and how's the family? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really good, and thank you for asking. That's really lovely. Um, because I know it's a you know a tricky time for everyone and um you know being away from loved ones and and yeah trying to find the time to then you know see them all so yeah yeah really good 100% um what I've to do and um you're one of the leading roasteresses uh in the world as far as uh, representing the uh the, the women in coffee um Can you give us a quick snapshot of how did you start your coffee journey? Yeah, absolutely. Um so I guess um I was the typical uni student working in a cafe just to make ends meet and I actually started washing dishes. So I was in in the back of house in the kitchen um washing dishes, you know, helping prep all that kind of stuff. And then um one day front of house didn't turn up. and they kind of just looked at me and went well you're kind of a you know naturally the next person to have a go at going at the front so out out I went um started to learn you know everything to do with you know front of house in terms of you know waiting tables and it also meant um learning how to make coffee so that's when I got my first taste of um you know learning how to make coffee i think i burnt myself a gazillion times on the steam wand just kind of going what on earth is this you know coffee making business um but i think like a lot of us I ended up being loving it because I'm really attracted to that instant results feeling that you get, you know, when you're a barista, you're making a coffee for customers, they love it and there's just a it's a really addictive, you know, fabulous feeling. Yeah. So then I started um, you know, seeking more coffee focused jobs and roles and ironically, when I finished uni, I ended up back at uni, um this is all up in Brisbane in Queensland, um working on the coffee carts. So a lot of high volume, fast paced, you know, making there um and you know fabulous lessons learned in terms of like processes procedures all that kind of stuff to do with you know fast paced um you know brisk work then i sought some more work um in like cafes so again a lot of high volume cafes um then you naturally start training you know managing you know doing all that kind of stuff and um just meeting lots of fabulous people and it really reinforces in coffee the people the relationship side of the industry um and like a lot of us you know i really encourage everyone to you know get to know the reps get to know you know all these amazing people in the background in the industry because that's how i got my first step into a really big training role where i was doing all of the prepare and serve um you know accredited training um uh, with coffee academy um so i was doing all of the queensland um training for that and again through that you know you meet lots of great people it took me into another arm of the industry working in franchising so you know lots of big lessons learned um working in franchising and then i sort of got the call 
to get more involved back in coffee again and I got involved in the Brist competitions. So I was the Queensland champion from 06 to 08. Um, I was very good at coming third at nationals. <laughs> I could never get past that, that, third, that third place. Um, had lots of you know, fun doing that and that's when I got my first role um, into roasting. So um, I started roasting at Develo Coffee in Brisbane, so I was head of production there and we had um, a 60 kilo and 120 kilo roaster. You know, we were doing anywhere between about 10 tonne when I first started and then about 15 plus when I left. You know, very physical, very full on, but again, great lessons learned in terms of processes, procedures, all that kind of stuff. And then, um, then I got a chance to move overseas. I lived and worked in New York from about 2009 to about 2000 and late 13, early 14. Um, worked for an amazing company called Dallas Brothers Coffee. Um, it was a Brazilian-owned company, so along with um, working there, I also got the chance to go down to Brazil quite a lot. And at the moment, I'm really missing all of my wonderful Brazilian friends because normally this time of year, we're doing the roasters camp um, in Brazil um, with all the team at Capricornio Coffee. So big hi um, to those guys. And yeah, I got a really great chance to go down and do a lot of training with the producers and all of the researchers and agronomists and, and on the farm um, as well. Um, did my Q graders because that was also part of my role um, with Dallas Brothers as well, um, working with the head of coffee buying, um, doing all of the sampling, um, yeah, as well as production as well. Um, with production, I think I, I really had the chance to grow up and learn a lot more about specialty coffee um, with Dallas Brothers. I had two beautiful reconditioned probats, had a G45 and a UG15. Um, yeah, so fabulous, fabulous, you know, machines to roast and, and continue to learn on and hone my skills. Um, and then um, I also dusted off my uh, competition tamper and um, did the barista competitions in the US. Um, I came in the top six when it was when it used to be NERBC and all the all the different um, North South East. Um, I USBC um, in twenty thirteen. So that was the year that Pete Licata won. Um, and yeah, that was fantastic. Um, amazing experience. Um, did cup tasters and just, yeah, just a, such a wonderful community um, to be a part of. Um, got involved with the Roasters Guild as well. Um, so did a lot of work with the education committee um, and being involved in the executive council uh, with Roasters Guild. Um, yeah, so had an amazing time. Again, just a, a fabulous opportunity to keep on like learning and growing. Um, and then came back to Australia and landed yep. in Melbourne, um, where my, my Queenslander blood <laughs> is craving warmth. Um, but um, I, then I was um, head roaster for Proud Mary. Um, I did a little bit of work with Axel Coffee. And then I kind of maybe like a lot of us in our careers, whether it's as barista or roaster, kind of like sort of felt like, you know, I'd reached a bit of a ceiling, especially in terms of like production roasting. Um, and so... I saw an opportunity to start doing roasting courses. So probably about, about four and a half years ago now where I started the, the monthly roasting course. And then when I'm not doing that, um, I'm then travelling around, um, like working with roasters one-on-one -on -one in their roasteries, consulting and training. So I've been really spoiled. I've had the opportunity to, to roast and work on a truckload of different machines, um, 
been in lots of many different roasteries. Um, yeah, super spoiled. Um, yeah, so here I am today. Yeah. <laughs> That's that, obviously I, you know, I've done my my, my due diligence, so I, I knew, and it's 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 impressive. It really is, and uh, uh, I think that no one has. Yeah, I, I can't think of anyone that has that amount of experience under their belt, um, and that you're such a inspirational uh, figure across coffee. Uh, Veg quickly is asking uh, if you had fun roasting those crazy amounts of coffee. I believe he reckons that fifteen ton a week. <laughs> um, look, I think it's kind of like yes and no. It's incredibly physical because this was back in the day when, like. You know, there was no, um, you know, there was no silos. There was like, we were physically scooping. There was three of us on the team. Every day in preparation for roasting for the next day, we'd be physically scooping between one to two tonne each, you know, or more in preparation for the day, next day's roasting. So very physically demanding. But I think roasting, like being a barista, it's incredibly addictive. Um, again, yes, it is. There's a lot of repetitiveness, but there's also that addictive feeling of like, oh, that roast was just a little bit different. Next time I've got another chance to, to do it again. And that's the great thing about roasting. There's always a second chance. Um, so, yeah, it was, yeah, super fun, super, very physical, physically demanding. Um, and I guess that's why you kind of get to see the kind of personalities that suit, you know, either being a barista or a roaster because of those elements where it's, it's incredibly repetitive, it's incredibly physical, but it's incredibly creative as well. So you've got this ability to kind of satisfy, yeah, yeah and, many, many and, different interests. And, you know, in the past 20 years, you've you played around with so many roles, you know, like, you know, 20 years yeah. experience in the coffee industry, you've been barista, cafe owner, manager, trainer, yep. head roaster, all of that. Yeah. If you had to choose one, what's your core passion? Oh. I think my passion is probably the education side of it. Um, that's what I really, really love because even as a roaster, because I, I actually just quickly thought, ooh, is it barista or roaster? But really, even as a roaster, you still need to draw on those barista skills because you're roasting, you know, with specific brew methods in mind. So you need to understand how to brew, um, you know, how to express that coffee and also to, like, complement your roasting as well. But I think then for me personally, being on the education side, I get a real – I just love um, helping people better understand what they're trying to learn um, about their roasting and, and also, you know – as a barista as well so um yeah even like saying that i get this really like really like you know that sparkly feeling in your heart where it's kind of like yeah that's that's me yeah that's all thank, that, thank you for asking that <laughs> no 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 it's good i think it's it's so relevant because you know we all we all have different skill sets and we all enjoy different things whether we are people people whether we are more introverted uh whether yeah. you know and, and everyone just bounce off of those strengths and you seem to be that educational element, which is uh, very essential to, you know, uh, keep going with the legacy of specialty coffee because without yeah. without the education, 
there wouldn't be innovation and there wouldn't be continuation across everything yeah. uh, in the human uh, race. So now I'm glad that you are educating people. And uh, I mean, the, the, the part that strikes the most for me and that I really have so much appreciation for you is that coffee, unfortunately, has been such a male picture as a male dominant industry. Uh, but thanks to people like you, we've seen more and more girls and women, uh, you know, chasing their coffee dream. Um, especially in roasting, I think we, you know, there's still no enough, in my opinion. Barista, we're seeing more. Brewers, we're seeing more and more. Um, what words would you have for especially young women uh, to get started, whether it's barista, whether it's roasting? Yeah, I think it's a, I'm in a really interesting mindset with this whole kind of women in coffee, you know, side of thing, um, especially mm. with roasting. I, under, I, t I think what we need to, I think firstly, more than anything, I would rather be known for my skill as opposed to being like a female roaster. Um, I would want to be known for being someone that people want to work with and learn from. Um, I think in the industry, when it comes to whether it's women, men, just everybody, um, we need to be putting a bit more pressure potentially on business owners to provide safer workplaces. Um, because I think, especially in roasteries, for a really long time, our occupational health and safety and general movement around the roastery has not been, it's very unmonitored. And so whether, you know, because of that unmonitored, naturally, you know, because of the physical, physical, physicality <laughs> because of all the heavy lifting and movement and all that kind of stuff um it does naturally suit you know stronger males um look and sadly there's been some really terrible stories in the industry where females were rejected from a roasting role just because they were seen as not being strong enough you know to be in that position um i think if you have an amazing attitude you're an amazing human and you're you're dedicated and um you know yourself, um, then, yeah, hell yeah, get in there and, and have a go. And I think um, one of the best examples was, I think you've, um, I don't know if you've met um, Midori. So, um, I know her in person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so Midori, um, who has been here with me, um, so I'm also, I'm also based at um, Project 281 um, and also found a coffee where I still do um, the wholesale roasting there. And so, when I travel, um, Midori was a barista here and also would come in and help help to roast. Now, Midori is this, um, I don't know any other way to say it, like, like she's this amazing Japanese lady. She's tiny. She weighs less than a bag of coffee. Um, she's got an amazing attitude. Um, and, yeah, people would look at her and potentially say, are you not suited to be in a roastery? Like, can you lift? And I'll never forget when we first started, I first started training her and I'm just, you know, making sure from an OH&S perspective that, you know, she felt safe, she felt comfortable, you know, lifting coffee into the roaster. And I'll never forget her looking down at me saying, when she was like getting ready to put beans in the roaster going, I asked her, do you feel comfortable doing this? You know, are you okay with all of this, you know, physical lifting? She said, she went, no, I'm fine. Like I can do this. And I'll never forget that feeling of like, this lady, this amazing lady is telling me she's okay, she knows herself, she trusts herself, 
then great, awesome, go for it. Um, I think she's an amazing example of the whole, you know, women in coffee breaking down that um, perception of this tiny little, you know, little person um, being in there. So, look, yeah, look, it has a lot of many, many different things to consider. Um, it is a shame that, you know, along the way it has kind of fallen into, you know, um, you know, male-dominated, hard for females to get in. And I, and I really hope that starts to break down, um, you know, over time. And just it's, it's more about providing a safer workplace so everybody, um, you know, feels safe um, working in there. And, and I think for me too, I think maybe it's just because of my background maybe with working overseas a bit and seeing origin. I, for me, Women in Coffee is all about the, um, the women at origin, so for me, it's all about that. Um, I feel very lucky where I am because I often give the example of in our kind of in our society, you know, here in Australia. I mean, I can have a really bad day, but I have the choice to I can go home, put my feet up, have a hot shower, and flush a toilet. You know, I've got things available to me for comfort, and it's not always the case for, you know, a lot of the families at Origin. And I'll never forget being at Origin, watching, you know, being next to the ladies while they're picking coffee. And you just know that they're spending all day picking on their feet. But at the back of their mind as well, they're also thinking about, I have to go home and look after my family when, I'm, when I get home. They've got to think about cooking dinner, um, all the support, you know, washing, cleaning, all that kind of stuff. So... Um, we just, I just feel very, really lucky um, as a woman in coffee in Australia. Um, yeah, and that's just my personal view in terms of, you know, for me it's all about women at origin when I hear women 100%. in coffee. 100%. And I think, I think eventually it will, you know, the, the, the shift and the movement, it's, it's all about inclusivity, uh, you know, being more yeah. inclusive. Uh, and I really liked the point that you raised about safety because that's a perspective that I didn't have on the show yet because often, you know, I spoke to, you know, women in coffee in terms of baristas, cafe owners and whatnot, but I think that I didn't even think about it, you know, even though I've been in many roasteries myself, but because yeah. I'm not doing it, uh, that's yep. such a relevant point. And, uh, yeah, thank you for sharing that and for sure. Yeah, like especially in a lot of like smaller roasteries, like even here, you know, at Founder where, you know, I'm getting ready to roast just 100 kilos of coffee today, but physically, you know, lifting, you know, a certain amount of coffee into the roaster and just doing that over and over again, like it's, it's quite, you know, it's, it's quite physically demanding um, for anybody. Um, so, oh, yeah. yeah. It's a workout, just, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> But, yeah, I'd, I'd really love to see more safety, more monitoring um, of the roasteries um, and, yeah, making employees, uh, employers, sorry, um, more accountable for their workspaces, for their roasteries. Yeah, yeah for everyone. 100%. No, I love it. And uh, in terms of Project 201 uh, and Founder Coffee, um, you know, what, what's the most exciting part of what you're doing there to you? I think it's a really good example of maybe the kind of current direction about like cafes in Australia where there's a lot of like cafe roasteries, um, you know, being set up, having that, that complementary um, 
connection and relationship between the cafe and like producing your own coffee. Um, like seeing a lot of um, like the owners of projects, very strong cafe background, but then had the opportunity to set up another space and have a go at roasting. Like a lot of people, a lot of people are super curious about, oh, I want to have a go at this roasting thing, um, you know, producing their own coffee. Um, so, so yeah, I think um, it's exciting for me as a roaster then knowing that once we produce the coffee, we've got the ability to then test it, you know, extract it. We can get really great feedback straight away from the cafe. So that's really, really great. I think from that perspective, um, being able to, yeah, like see the, like working with the baristas and in terms of whether it's different skill level and then, you know, working with them, helping them understand and their extractions, getting the best out of the coffee because then I can see the feedback and how the coffee's, you know, working on the machines or if it's not working and then I can make adjustments um, accordingly. So, yeah, it's a really great, really great, really great relationship between the two. 100%. I love it. And uh, now you guys are doing fantastic over there. Um, and just because you touched base at Origin, I mean, I think we all can agree or most of the chat uh, that coffee is something that we all enjoy. Uh, but it wouldn't really be possible without it's, you know, the people involved with it, you know, from origin to roasters, uh, from baristas to the consumer asking for their coffee. I think that often that's a forgotten piece of the puzzle uh, and we give it for granted. But without the pickers, without the farmers, without all of these people in the chain, this wouldn't be possible. Um, yeah. Do you think that people should be something that we should almost learn again? What do you mean in terms of... In terms of, of um, as, as the way that we approach coffee and the industry, you know, like I think as far as, you know, cafe operation, like give more recognition to the people and uh, having a more focus on the people rather than having more mechanical approaches because I think that we kind of lost... For many years, for instance, baristas have put their focus in the cup of coffee, the pouring, which is all very important, yeah. but then we kind of we started slowly shifting, but that connection with people is the only way to connect back to origin, you know, to tell a story because humans, yeah. we are storytellers. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting point because I think it's also cultural specific as well. So I think in Australia, what happened here, I know when I first started making coffee, it was all about brands and blends there was never a focus on a specific origin or producer. And I'll never forget, like, asking, you know, the sales reps, oh, what's in the coffee? Um, and I might go, oh, you know, something from Brazil, something from maybe Africa or whatever, but not even they knew, you know, what was in the blend enough. Um, and then I'll never forget, um, you know, as we start learning more about coffee, we go, oh, my God, there's there's different, um, you know, species, and then there's varieties, and then there's processes, and it's like, oh, my God. Um, whereas, and that's mostly because of um, probably in Australia because of our espresso culture and, our, and the, our method of extraction. Whereas when I was working in the U.S., because of all the, the brewing, um, they had the opportunity to say, okay, today's origin is Colombia. 
or Sumatra or whatever it is. So they had more opportunity to educate their customers about origin. Where here, we're doing a lot of catching up, um, you know, with our customers about origin and really helping them understand that when we say that coffee's like wine, like it's not, we're not being wanky about it. It's like, it, it's always been there. There's always been terroir. There's always been varieties and processes, all that kind of stuff. So I think um, it's great starting to see cafes, like here at Project, we default always to a single origin for black coffees. And then there's always the information about um, the, the coffee and the, and the producer you know, with that coffee. So, but still, I think, um, yeah, we've got a lot of hard work, a lot of catching up to do in Australia anyway, in our cafes, in terms of communicating, um, you know, what's going on. I know at the moment, um, like the single, for example, in Project this week is from my absolute most favourite producer in the world, um, Luis from Brazil. And so always trying to make sure that we communicate um, you know, this is his coffee, um, this is Luis, um, and yeah, really trying to help customers, you know, learn a bit more. But I still think we've got a fair way to go um, with that whole side of things. And I, and I, and I like what you said. And, and the tricky part with coffee, and I was talking about it with uh, Mathieu last week, and he had a very, you know, he said that he's upset about the fact that, for instance, wine, you know, it's going to taste that way regardless once the bottle is open, where with coffee there is so many variables, uh, you know, and even in terms of educational point of view, because, you know, you pull all the love into the roasting and, the, you know, the farmer put the love into the processing, and yet, you know, that coffee that served, you know, your floor staff, it could be the waiter, it could be the waitress, it could be a wholesale customer, uh, the message gets lost in the translation, so I think that, yeah, you're right, we need to do more catch-up for sure. Um, and, uh, and I was just going to say really quickly, sorry, I, I was just, just going to say really quickly, and unfortunately, as we may have, you may have also discussed as well, is that as an industry, we've done a bad job training consumers by equating um, a price with quality. So we haven't been passing on that price quality concept, you know, onto our customers. So they just still see coffee as beans in a cup. It's kind of like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean you're trying to tell me it's this, you know, amazing producer from blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just, to me, it's just, it's just a cup of brown liquid. It, it, yeah. yeah, we haven't, we haven't passed that on clearly enough. Yeah. I, I, I agree. And uh, we'll, I'll, I'll retouch on that uh, after the next question because this is the halfway Ooh. mark question. Um, hopefully you're ready. Uh, um, who, um, if you, it's the out of the box question. And um, uh, if you could, and it doesn't have to be in coffee, who would you like to have dinner with? Oh. Oh, that's a great question. I've gone blank. Um, oh my God. Who would I like to have dinner with? Oh, you put me on the spot. I know there's like, you know, when you think of so many people, but you can't think of them. Um, Brene Brown. Okay. Okay. It's good. I'm going to. That'd be pretty cool. Yep. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna make a list one day of all the people that've been said, and let's see what I can. <laughs> yeah, cool. All right, cool. Thank you. Um, and, and going back onto your career uh, and your, you know, and your what you were just saying, it's so in line with my next question. Basically, if you could steal something from America and bring it to Australia, what would that be in the coffee industry and coffee game? Oh. I actually think like there um dare I say I I, I kind of makes me giggle with a lot of cafes doing batch brew. Um I think we still do a really poor job of the batch brew because we're not managing um the press pots, the pots properly. Like when you walk into a cafe in the US, they've got all of their press pots with timers and they've got indicators you know make sure it only stays in the pot for a certain amount of time um because it's really sad when you walk in, I've walked into so many cafes all over Australia and I see batch brew and I go awesome and then I ask them when was it brewed and the person at the counter will, will happily go oh it was brewed first thing this morning and I'm like so it's 11:00 in the morning and you haven't changed that pot and refreshed it so Definitely um their their um their processes for managing batch brew um and staying on top of that that side of things for sure um yeah i i just it's just done so poorly here still yeah and i yeah and i and i i think it's it's a great point um and you know just speaking about other people uh, that was the exact same answer that Coral gave me a few weeks back so oh really you, okay you you all you know you both on on the same and uh i think also you know the whole batch brew uh, you know it could open up very many conversations around coffee and i think yeah. that we also have done a poor job when it comes to conversion of long black to batch brew it's something that i always have debated with my wholesale customers when i used to work for a coffee roaster because you know a batch brew to many to many aspect has a convenience as far as time as far as workflow as far as uh, yep. better quality in the cup and yet yep. we still see many long black drinkers that are too loyal to their drink and they don't switch the batch brew and I think if we had a better batch brew system where it's not lukewarm or it's cold sometimes and if it's better and more refreshed then yes they would switch because it would taste better 100% i agree probably because um, too we don't have access to a lot of the equipment um like bringing a lot of that equipment over from the US um is yeah and i know like it is here in like certain um establishments but as far as like especially cafes yeah we still haven't quite um you know managed to get good access to some of that it's definitely here for sure 100% yeah i want to make sure people know but yeah um as being a as being like a um an integral part of our equipment setup um like it is in the US yeah it's it's not there yet i agree and speaking of equipment and uh, trends uh, what's your what, what are your thoughts about uh, roasting at home and how good do you think the machinery available is at the moment because i see more and more that's a, uh, people that's a great question so i think covid has definitely ignited a lot of interest um with people wanting to to do something like that at home 
Um, the availability of equipment is rather interesting. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of machines that are available to bring in from China. Um, those machines, we've just got to be careful that they need to also meet um, Australian Gas Association standards if they are. Um, so they do need to be, a few things need to be adjusted on those machines, you know, when they come in. They don't always get adjusted. And I've definitely, I've definitely seen some fabulous results of those machines not getting adjusted properly. Um, I think, you know, there's definitely um, been a lot of interest in the Aleo Bullet machine, but at the moment it currently doesn't meet Australian standards. Um, there's one part on there that they're having a bit of trouble um, getting through for some reason. It's just taking an extremely frustratingly long time because I know that worldwide that machine is very easily being sold, you know, everywhere, but it can't be sold here in Australia at the moment um, because of that one part. Um, so I guess like roasting at home would just be considerations to think about in terms of, I mean, I started roasting on popcorn poppers um, and then, you know, you move on to a little hot top um, and then you start thinking, oh, how do I, you know, do a little bit more? Um, so I just, just thinking about, you know, where you set it up at home. Don't forget about ventilation. It does produce a lot of smoke. A lot of people, you know, kind of forget that. Um, you know, there's so many different techniques that you can use for roasting at home. But as far as machines, yeah, equipment available, um, there's a little bit of a limitation in availability. Depends on how much you want to spend. Um, excitingly, in the next couple of weeks, um, I'll be setting up a little Mill City roaster, 1.5 kilo um, here at Project. Um, so people will be able to come in and have a bit of a play, um, you know, get a, get a feel for that. So I'm really looking forward to um, doing a bit more with the Mill City guys. So that's going to be really fun. So you'll definitely have to come in and have a play. Yeah, I'm down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, and I think, I think it's quite interesting because, uh, you know, it sparks up that conversation because I think, you know, um, I think I was. I think it was Rubens Gardelli was talking about you know the you know the approach of cooking rather than roasting. You know, it's like being a chef, um, and I yep. love that concept. Uh, and I think you know most people in the kitchen or people who love cooking would have an extra toy to get spark up the conversation around coffee and uh, spark up that excitement, enthusiasm for research and looking for uh, green beans and farms and. And I think that's, you know, anything will help in the long run if we're all together anyway, that's for sure. Um, yeah. Speaking of green coffee, uh, this is something that's really important um, as far as the conversations that I've been having on the show. But I think it's safe to say that coffee is underpriced uh, across, you know, across the board um, in terms of, you know, you know from, from farm to cup. Uh, do you think that coffee should be treated more like the wine and beer industry where perhaps they did a better job as far as like you were saying just before uh at understanding quality pricing packaging yada yada yeah i mean it's definitely you know if we're as roasters going to the effort to have um amazing you know direct relationships with producers where then you know we're paying for the that quality but if we're getting it into the roastery and they're not passing it on, um, you know, at the right price, it's 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 kind of like shoes and cars. It's kind of like you get what you pay for. Um, so the higher the price, 
should have that quality attachment to it and we just don't have that at the moment um, in enough of it anyway it's definitely there's definitely establishments establishments trying to do that for sure um, but um, yeah we we need to find a better way to help consumers understand um, you know that connection um, yeah, and it also opens a can of worms, this question, as far as wholesale, because unfortunately I witnessed sure. I witnessed really a, you know, a, a battle between roasters and, you know, they go and they throw each other's, you know, the sink as far as pricing for wholesale customers. And all of a sudden I have seen, I literally have seen specialty coffee, uh, ray, you know, grade, blend from $16 a kilo with machine, with money, crockery, all the way to 42 um, And the, the gap is too wide. I mean, in, in certain countries around the world, industries are regulated. So they say, well, this is the cap. That's the minimum you can charge. You have to charge. That's a max you can charge, period. You got to play around that. And I think that the sad part of these roasteries, specialty roasters kind of, not getting together is that really the real battle is against you know against without getting sued uh you know the big guys the commercial guys the dollar coffee guys the the you know fast food chain guys you know we especially smaller roaster realities instead of going against each other we should kind of come to the table and understand that we are fighting a different battle in the long run it's interesting you said that because i know that um Definitely when, for example, when COVID started, um, and maybe even through now, um, definitely hearing some business owners actually thinking that, like, should we all get together or band together and chat about in our general area in terms of let's get together and unify in terms of the prices that we're charging because there was a definite need and thought process in terms of needing to increase the price of, of coffees. Um, and I'm going brilliant. Like this is a great chance to, to you know, to start that that process with consumers. Um, it, unfortunately, it never eventuated. But I was I was really happy that you know the thought of a conversation like that was you know um, the seed was being planted. But yeah, didn't quite didn't quite get there. But I, I'm so with you. It would be really amazing if um, even if it was just in general areas that roasters did get together to help each other. Um, in terms of, hey, how can we really start helping consumers better understand this higher price that we want to charge? But if we all do it as a collective, um, it's really going to help um, that, you know, with that message. Yep. And, and it also push, I think you also create a push towards quality because all of a sudden, cafe operators or owners, you know, they have 10 roasters on the table, all at the same price, just in a different bag it all come down to taste profile and the quality and what comes through the cup. So versus now, all of a sudden, an average coffee, but it's the cheapest on the table with a few tweaks and a couple of, you know, spoonful of sugar might be the most attractive for certain operators. But if they were all at the same price, they wouldn't necessarily pick that coffee out of the table, which is interesting. So, and that would spark up conversation of like well roasters we need to get better quality coffee for our blenders therefore we need to go at origin again we need to rediscuss and look you know and then 
you know, eventually quality will drive price up and, you know, it will start from us. And uh, I would love to, yeah. I would love if that conversation got started eventually for sure. But I think also too, it's also um, the level of service and support um, that those roasters can provide as well. Um, I mean, definitely, um, so Project has a sister cafe um, and a few other places that we, you know, provide coffee for um, with Founder. And um, I'll never forget kind of like, I, I even kind of forgot initially kind of like, ooh, besides supplying the coffee, there's also um, a need for, hey, can you help us with, you know, get our extractions better, get our brew ratios better, um, what do you recommend? Um, or my machine's broken down or, you know, can you help me my grinders, you know, out of whack, all that kind of stuff. So being able to provide that support. And it's the same with roasters as well, like roasting manufacturers. Um, there's definitely more of a push to get better service um, and backup, um, you know, from those guys as well. So I think, I think yeah. the answer, I think the answer there is some, it's a, uh, it's within your core passion. I think it comes down to education, right? I really yeah. think so. Yeah. I think that we've done a very poor job as far as the famous barista courses out there uh, without, you know, naming. But, you know, they are not really courses. I remember once there was this gentleman from Bendigo with the entire family saying, I'm going to open a cafe in Bendigo. It's going to be this, this and that. And I was like, can you make coffee? I said, well, I've done a two-day course in Melbourne. And he told me where, and I was like, oh, ouch. So I think education would spark up better quality and a lessening for different type of services. Because as I, you know, I was working for a big coffee roaster, uh, and sometimes the boys would go out to customers for, barely, for, for things that should be obvious for someone who's yes. running a coffee operation. And that's where yeah. the conversation looks at, okay, should we allow everyone to open a cafe? It's beautiful, but it's like, you know, it's interesting how you can't practice as a lawyer without having a law degree, right? And now I'm not yeah. saying that coffee should be compared to being a lawyer or to be a doctor or a dentist, but shouldn't there be a degree of knowledge or, or education around it before opening a cafe and not get hurt? Because you can still get hurt because it's still a business, it's a little risky, but if you don't know Correct. what you're doing, yeah. it's times 100 more risky. Yeah, and I think, um, yeah, 100% in terms of, like, um, owning a cafe more than anything is really about, you know, people. Um, you really learn, um, it, it's, like, it's a bit, it's people management. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, it's not always the best thing to promote the best barista to be the manager because they may be the best barista, but they may not be good at managing people. Same with cafe owners in terms of... Um, if they don't do their due diligence with their business costings, they may have, you know, the best of everything in the shop, but if they can't, you know, get their profit margins right, then there's no way they're going to be able to operate. So, um, so there's all of that to consider. And I think with COVID happening, I really think that's going to sort out the good operators and the bad operators. And it's really going to highlight to the bad operators that potentially they should really consider, you know, not being in business um, if they haven't been managing, you know, their, their business in the best way. So, um, yeah, even, uh, like, even uh, like being a roaster as well, it's the same thing in terms 100%. of you've got all the, all the coffee side of things to think about, but if you don't manage your business costs appropriately, 
then you're going to get caught out very, very quickly. I think the coffee, it's been romanticized a lot, you know. Uh, yes. young, yeah. young couple, uh, they hate their accounting and banking job. They go to their brunch place on a Sunday. They think, hey, look, yep. there's 47 like people. Uh, avocado smash costs eighteen fifty. I would do it better putting alfalfa on top of it with a drizzle of lime yep. instead of lemon. All of a sudden, but they're not there Monday to Sunday. Uh, they don't understand how much stuff costs, the cost of food, the cost of yep. the margins. So it, it, yep. you're right. And it's a little bit cynic, but I really think that COVID will also give a great exit excuse because we are humans. And right. when dad told Sam, don't open a cafe, Sam said, no, F you, I'm going to open a cafe. But then Sam realized that he's running on lots of credit and debit and whatnot. And all the sudden is like, if I say I'm going to close the doors, the fear of that judgment coming back at Sam would really impact him. Yeah. Versus now, yeah. at least there's a chance to say, hey, dad, hey, mom, the pandemic happened. Not my fault. I got to shut the doors. Yep. Which it's yep. kind of nice in a way. I mean, I know that a lot of people are going to get hurt, but I'm hoping that they will refine their balance and they're like, hey, you know what? I go back into my uh, banking, accounting dentistry job and i think that's absolutely you're right i do see that i do see that a lot in roasting as well i see a lot of people from other industries looking yeah because they're they're coffee lovers they love coffee oh i'm going to give roasting a go and then um and that's what i really focus on in the roasting course in the sense of really helping people practically understand everything that's involved so that they walk out of the course going you know what maybe I'm not suited to this. And to me, that's the best money spent. If they walk out realising, oh, shit, I did not realise that that was involved and that was involved and that was involved, as opposed to going out, spending a truckload of cash, like buying all the equipment and then going, now I need to learn how to roast. And then they realise they don't like it. And it's like, oh, goodness, that's a bit tricky. So, yeah. <laughs> You're spot on. And, and I think... And I think I think it comes down to being humble and patient because it's like baristas. Baristas are almost easier an example because, you know, where did you start? Washing dishes, right? Yep. And yet now after 20 plus years, you've done so amazing in the coffee world, like incredible roles, incredible achievements, but you didn't jump on a roaster on your day too. So same with roasting no. or becoming a barista or even, even opening a cafe you need to start from the bottom and make your way up. So, you know, yeah. I think the best example I usually make is Colin Harmon. You know, it's like, you know, he had to learn. So he had, you know, he put his pride on the side and said, well, I first need to learn how to make it. Then I can start thinking about having my own cart and having my own shop, having my own grocery. Having. So I think being humble enough to say, well, despite me being 37 and I want to get into coffee, I need to start from the bottom. Simple as that. Yep, yep. And I think for me, like, I just got to remember, I didn't, I, you mentioned it, but I didn't mention it earlier in that I had a cafe briefly, um, I think it was like 2000 or something like that, and I was that barista going, you know, I've been the best barista in a cafe and I, I've managed, I've done all of that, I can do this. Um, and then um, I was in a partnership and unfortunately, you know, the business partnership didn't work because I was in the business too much and didn't pull myself out as a business owner to be able to work on it, but also really realising the people management side of it. Um, 
and yeah, it's yeah, owning owning a cafe is it's um it's yeah, it's really tough. Yeah. And I, I if you don't I have the right the right background and mindset. Yeah. Hundred percent, because it's already a very tricky industry, and any business is risky, regardless. And I think I remember I was scouting sites with a potential couple of customers, um, and uh, they were showing me all these big sites, and I and I really was striking me on how big in their mind was better, more seating is more money, and I was like, but do you know how to cook? And they would say no, but I know how to make coffee. I'm like, why do you need a kitchen there? Because what happens when your head chef walks out? Start small, you know, reduce your risk as far as losses. Then, you know, instead of losing half a million, you might lose 50, 60, 80. If it's a hole in the wall, at least you get your hands dirty. You build a brand, yeah. you build the recognition, and then you can build from there. I mean, I mean, without, you know, naming, but I mean, Lou and Croissant started from a hole in the wall before going, you know, big warehouse. Yeah. And yeah. they don't do a full breakfast menu. They do what they know, which is croissants. And it took them years before they stuck in a little coffee machine on the side. Like, I think that's yeah, a good example, yeah. you know? Like, instead of doing 12 things, do it one or two that you know, and then you can yep, evolve. Do it well. Yeah. Um, it's, it's such a beautiful conversation we had, and I, it's six more minutes, unfortunately, only. But a um, couple of more questions. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. I know, I know. It's always like... So <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> and um, thank you for coming, and uh, I really appreciate oh, your work. Thank words. you so much for having me on. It's great. Different angles and different things. I hope to have you on again, maybe in a few months. Maybe we can do a virtual, virtual roastery tour. Um, if you, yeah, in a few words, what's your coffee mission, um, Anne? Oh, my coffee mission. Hmm. Um, I think, I think again, it comes back to that. Now I'm probably at a point in my career where I'm more in that support and education kind of role in the industry. Um, you know, I'm quite happy now just kind of taking a few steps back, being a little bit more in that education kind of background and supporting anybody that wants to learn anything and everything about roasting and, and really helping them see um, why they're doing it, you know, the value of it, um, and just arming them, arming them for success, setting them up for success, and that's what's what I feel really, um, you know, really passionate about. So, yeah, I think that's that's kind of where, yeah, I'm, yeah, kind of happy to kind of just, yeah, be that support for yeah, because it's a, just such a wonderful next generation coming through, and just really making sure that they know they've got support. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I just get off. <laughs> that makes me. I really yeah, love it. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I really I want really to support those guys. What you yeah. say. I think what yeah. you say is so beautiful because it's literally you're stripping yourself of all your, you know, you know, little bit of ego. You're literally stripping yourself and just say, you know what, I want you to succeed. I want you to roast well. I want you to win. Yeah. And I think it's beautiful. Yeah. I think we need more people like you in the industry where they're more focused on the coffee rather than themselves and saying, um, such and such, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And I think yeah, education got, comes a big play factor. Yeah, because I've, I've got the experience, I've got the, um, you know, the insight, and if I can help people roast better and understand why, I'm very passionate about giving answers and why, um, as opposed to just do it because. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very much about, well, let's prove it. Let's show you. Um, 
and help you better, you know, make better decisions, be a more decisive broster. Um, that's, yeah, that's what I'm all about. And I think the biggest and smallest word that you use three times now is why. And I think it really starts yep. from there. I think, yep. I think it really does. And, and it really ties up the whole conversation, I think. Why are you opening a cafe? Is it because you're attracted from the money or because you love it? Why are you starting roasting at home? Is it because you love it yep. or, or what else? And I think you're so right. And for you to be that person who take their hands and show them, ask, make them understand what their own why is, they're very lucky yep. to have you. We are very lucky. Yeah, to thank, have you. <laughs> thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Um, no, absolutely. Um, and look, uh, it's been an amazing conversation. Thank you for giving up absolutely. an, hour, an hour of your time. I really appreciate it. Very humbling. And uh, at least, you know, you're not far from where I am. So I'm sure we're going to catch up. Uh, for, yeah, for please come in anytime. Yep. Every thank Monday's you. roast day. So you're more than welcome to wander on in and, you know, sure. come and hang out. So, yeah. I would love to. Um, <laughs> If you have anything um, left off in the last few minutes, what's next on your planet, Anne? Um, I think like everybody, just getting through all this craziness. Um, there's, you know, I've definitely, you know, like a lot of people have had to change the way we do do things. So, um, but yeah, I think the most exciting thing is waiting for my Mill City to arrive um, so I can get that hooked up and, yeah, have some fun dialing that in. So I'll definitely try and do some videos um, you know, to sort of show people what, what am I doing while I'm dialing in the roaster. So it's going to be really fun. Yeah, that's probably well, the most exciting thing coming up. <laughs> yeah, no, and it is exciting. And look, Midori just joined. So uh, Anne had oh, amazing Midori. words. We spoke, <laughs> <laughs> she spoke highly about you. And uh, I think you need to rewatch the first 15 minutes of this talk. Yeah, definitely. Um, but um, look, thank you again. I'm feeling super grateful. Uh, for having had that this opportunity to chat and uh, let's do it again maybe in a couple of months to see where you're absolutely. at absolutely cool thank you thank you, you have take an awesome care day. everybody thank you thank you so much for tuning in really appreciate it <laughs> stay safe ciao ciao yep ciao bye <laughs> uh, there you have it guys uh what an amazing uh human in coffee i love to have her on great insights, a great chat, great opportunity to see different angles of this industry, um, her journey, her career, but also what she had to say as far as uh, all the things that she saw in 20 plus years across different roles that she had. So I really appreciate her and um, thanks to all of you guys tuning in. 9 a.m. is a difficult time because most people are at work, but for the people who are going to re-watch and re-listen to this, I'm glad that you have uh, stumbled across this video or podcast episode because it was really relevant so uh, just a big shout out to uh, to all the people in the room peter good to see you vale jimmy midori uh, julian um, nolan uh, just really appreciate it um, all of you guys uh, being here if you like this uh, podcast and this series feel free to take a screenshot reshare it post it on instagram or whatever social platform uh, that you use and we'll see you back on Wednesday. Uh, we go big, big dog, uh, Chris Baca, all the way from the States. It's going to be an amazing conversation that I'll have with Chris. And uh, yeah, hope you're safe. Hope you're well. Stay safe. I'll see you Wednesday. I really appreciate all of you guys. Cheers.